Every calendar quarter, March, June, September, December, long about the penultimate Wednesday, we've been playing the Market Cap Game Show. Our format is simple. Two guest star contestants giving their best guesses at the market cap, the overall value of some of the best known or most interesting stocks on the market. And so many of those have had their market caps radically revised downward and then in some cases back upward just since our last market cap game show at the end of March. So extra fun then for you too, playing along and learning at home. Yep, that's right. It's time to gather the kids and the in-laws, invite your neighbors over physically distanced, and put your market cap hat on, well, your market cap thinking cap for this, the 12th installment of the Market Cap Game Show, this week only on Rule Breaker Investing. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. And welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. Great to have you with me this week. One of my favorite weeks of every quarter is the second to last week of the quarter. That's when we have the Market Cap Game Show. I know a lot of you have been listening all the way through. This is our 12th. That means we've been doing this for three years. This is the end of the third year of Market Cap Game Shows, and we've seen a lot of great talent come through, making some great Market Cap calls over the years. And I have two new players this week. Before I introduce them, let me just mention a couple of housekeeping items. The first and most prominent is that this is sort of a short month for this podcast because we always come out on Wednesdays, and the last Wednesday of the month is, in fact, next week. That's right. It's going to be June 24th, the final Wednesday in June. It may not feel like June is ending that quickly, but at least for this podcast, it does. And that's my way of reminding you that it is mailbag next week. We'd love to hear from you. RBI at fool.com is our email address. You can tweet us at RBI Podcast on Twitter. Questions you might have, stories to tell. If you want to throw a poem our way, we're always open to poetry as well. We've done a lot of that in Rule Breaker Investing podcasts of yours. So everything goes as always. Usually I bring out a cavalcade of guest stars as well. We have all that to look forward to next week, but we need you to power it up. It is, in fact, your voice that makes the mailbag. So again, rbi at fool.com. I'll mention that this month I led off with Essays from Yesterday, Volume 1. If you remember my tastes, great, less filling thought, that would be one example. And I, in particular, two weeks ago, asked you, do you like this format? And for some feedback from you. So I'd love to hear from you if you'd like to see a Volume 2 in future or not. Then last week, Five Stocks for America, my latest five-stock sampler. We also reviewed two samplers picked in June's past. And in fact, I mentioned one of them is five stocks riding the bull market. And at the time when we recorded last week, it was losing to the market. And I mentioned we were down just a couple of percentage points, but I said this doesn't end till June 21st. So we still had some time for those five stocks to get up above the market. And boy, over the last week, haven't they? Because Zillow, Wayfair, Impinge, Pegasystems, and iRobot as a five-stock sampler are now up 5.6 percentage points on the market, having surged, I think, in part due to Wayfair. So down the stretch they come. I'll probably say that a little bit later this podcast as well. But yeah, and I have a very high hit rate that I'm trying to protect. Uh, I think I've beaten the market across all 25 now with 88% of them. 22 of the 25 five-stock samplers historically have, as a group, beaten the market, which is a ridiculous percentage that I probably can't possibly keep up. Done over five years now, but that's why maybe I care a little bit extra when we get down in the last week for a, a sampler that's close, like five stocks riding the bull market. So a little note from there. But yeah, if you had any reflections on my five stocks for America or on the samplers we reviewed last week, that would be good fodder for this month's mailbag as well. And the last thing I'll mention is that I love to hear from you in terms of what you think about our podcast. So leave us a review on your favorite podcast portal, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. We love to hear what you think of our podcast. Throw me some stars. Let us know how we're doing. All right. Well, if you are a Motley Fool member, you might have spent one or more hours in the last month or so watching Motley Fool Live. The URL is live.fool.com, and it is a members-only offering. 
and two people who have particularly distinguished themselves on Motley Fool Live, having produced hours and hours of wonderful member-focused content, including interviews with outside CEOs and authors, but also just taking your questions, are Dan Klein and Tim Byers. Dan, a longtime writer for The Motley Fool, he mentioned off-air to me that this is the final Motley Fool podcast he hasn't already been on, so it's a delight to have Dan on for the first time. And then Tim, who's been on many times before, often on Mailbags, is a longtime member of my Rule Breakers team. But Tim, like Dan, has been doing yeoman's work at live.fool.com. And boy, I have watched hours and hours of Fool TV myself. It's been a a pleasure occasionally to appear there. We had a a Rule Breaker hour last week and seemed to be well-received, so we'll probably do more of that in future. I'll also mention that if you're a Rule Breakers member, you got to see me interview the DocuSign CEO, Dan Springer, this week, which I'll probably mention when I have Tim and Dan on very shortly. So Tim and Dan, it's great to have you guys on. And let me just mention before we start that this is the market cap game show. So for example, if you take a company like Etsy, ticker symbol E-T-S-Y, and you see that the company is trading at around $84 a share right now, and you notice the company has around 115 million shares outstanding, you can simply multiply Etsy's share price times the number of shares outstanding to get the market capitalization, what we think of as the value of Etsy if you tried to buy the corporation outright. Now, that's not the true definition because enterprise value, which factors in debt, for example, if Etsy had, and fortunately it doesn't, tons of debt on its balance sheet, then you'd actually have to pay more for that company. It would have a higher enterprise value than its market cap, but we don't get that technical with this game show. We just take market caps, which are probably one of my five favorite measures when we look at stocks. Keeps things simple, helps you see the big picture. And you can look at a company like Etsy and say, well, it's $9.7 billion today. Could I see that being a $100 billion company one day? It starts enabling you to picture forward how much or how little you think a stock price a stock's value could rise. And in the case of Etsy, since it was one of my five stocks for America last week, I'm happy to say it's risen over the past week. But more importantly, it's risen a lot over the past several years when it's been a rule breaker recommendation. All right. So that's the market cap. That's the game we're about to play. I'm waving hello to my new contestants and let's get it started. All right. Well, stock number one, I won't say the name yet, Tim. I'll just ask you, when was the last time you went out for breakfast? Oh, man. A while ago. I'm going to say two years ago. Isn't that amazing? I mean, yeah. two years. A lot of us, it might just be two months, but it feels like two years. Yeah. So I don't know whether when you go out for breakfast, Tim, are you typically going to a sit-down somewhere, a fun place somewhere uh, in greater Denver area, or are we talking fast casual? I think we're talking fast casual, but boy, do I like uh, doing a, a, an IHOP or something like that. That's pretty fun. Yeah. And IHOP still remains, when it is open, open 24 hours, right? Right. Yeah. 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 So it's not just for breakfast and never was. All right. Well, I wonder, because that we can often get into coffee wars, and I've seen this from you guys on Motley Fool Live, and I hear it on podcasts. Everybody has their their favorite coffee. Uh, yeah. And I'm thinking in particular right now, Tim, of Dunkin' Donuts and Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Do you have an opinion about Dunkin' Donuts coffee? I have no opinion about Dunkin' Donuts coffee, except that I don't think you can go to New York or anywhere in New England and say that you like Starbucks and, and get out alive. <laughs> I, I, I'm from Boston or the Boston, greater Boston area, and I've said this on air, and I'm pretty sure I'm not allowed to go home. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, of course, the company in question then, Tim, it's been an interesting time for this company, is Dunkin' Donuts. The ticker symbol is D-N-K-N. Tim, what, by your best estimation, is Dunkin' Donuts' market cap today? Boy, this is going to be interesting. So if I say Starbucks is around, um, I'm going to say 80 to 90 billion, I'm going to say Dunkin' is about half of that maybe a little less. So I'm going to say $29.7 billion. All right. And Dan Klein, higher or lower? I'm going to say lower. And the correct answer is 
5.35 billion. Oh my so gosh. T- <laughs> <laughs> t- t- Tim, I almost said lower. I think it's about 20 billion. So just to give you an idea. <laughs> and just Dan, as feel, far feel free to say that to make your fellow guest contestant feel better at any point. Yep. I, I don't think I would have done very well with this one myself. As I've often said, playing the market cap game show, I like to be Alex Trebek and it's a pleasure to have smart people take their best shot. Yeah, so guys, the stock touched down at about 40 in March. It's back around 65 now. Um, it's a company that's that's been an underperformer over the last um, five years, uh, underperforming the market by about 25 percentage points. It's up just just for, because I'm going to be using five-year returns throughout. The market over the last five years is up about 45%. So that's been, you know, about an average five years, uh, if you take it uh, from then to now. And so this company being up 20% is 25 percentage points behind the market. Any final thoughts on Duncan? How about Dan? You got this one right. Yeah, it's an interesting business because they've tried really hard to go into premium and nobody wants that from them. What they should focus on is making their breakfast products better. Their donuts have gotten progressively worse over my life. Uh, and, and I understand that's not the margin that the drinks are, but they'd sell more drinks if we bought more donuts. So I'd like to see them go look at a Voodoo Donuts or some of these chains that are doing donuts really well. And have a premium donut and use that as a way to get me to try an espresso instead of having a mediocre espresso and not charging as much as Starbucks. Beautifully put. You know, I think that's very rule breakery. Fits in very well with the rule breaker podcast. Tell Dunkin' Donuts to put the donuts back in donuts. <laughs> and they're actually right. no longer Dunkin' Donuts. They've dropped donuts from their name. You're names, right. So. It's Dunkin'. All right. Well, stock number two, turning now to you, Dan Klein. And Dan, I know you are a big fan of the travel and leisure industry. Could you just give me a couple of reasons why? I like to travel. So, I, you know, for me, when, I'm, when I want to invest in something, it tends to be things that are important in my world. And I don't go a month. This is the longest I've ever been at home in 19 and almost 20 years of marriage. So I'm someone who likes to be places. I like to gamble. I like to sit on a Caribbean island. I like to be on a cruise ship. I'm not invested in all those places because they're not all great businesses. But... Uh, you know, it's an industry that's near and dear to my heart. And, you know, you take something like a booking.com. Well, I use Priceline like, you know, that's like a, a casino for me, trying to save the most money possible. <laughs> and Dan, where did that come from? Were you a little kid? Did you have wanderlust? Of course, you were a little kid. Did you have <laughs> wanderlust when you were a little kid? Or were you ever, ever really a little kid, Dan? Uh, I was not great at being a little kid. I think that's that's fair to say. I always wanted to be older. Uh, but yeah, I've always had wanderlust and I've always had a reason to not move. So we lived in the New York, New England area for a long time before moving to Florida. The challenge is my wife doesn't like to travel. So that makes it a little bit difficult sometimes. Understood. Now, how many cruises would you say you've been on at this point in your life? Uh, it's something I didn't start doing until about 18 months ago. So a dozen. <laughs> that Wow. When 12 you li- in 18 months? But mostly just weekend trips. Like when you live in Florida and you play a little blackjack, you, you throw some money in the casino, it's basically free. So it's not that I would choose to cruise that often. It's just they're offering me these Friday to Monday. Uh, and it's a great way, as you know, with what we do to not have a good internet connection and not be able to work. <laughs> Dan, what is your favorite cruise line brand? Uh, so generally, it's Royal Caribbean, and that's largely because they're catering to sort of a, a, a closer to my age base. Carnival's a little bit more of a party line. I've never been on a Nor- Norwegian cruise. They're probably pretty similar. But some of the other sub-brands, they tend to skew a lot older. And I don't know about you. If I'm on vacation, I don't want to have to wear like a tuxedo on, on Friday night for dinner. I want a little bit of a casual feel. Understood, Dan. Well, Carnival might not be your favorite brand then, but it is stock number two for this edition of the Market Cap Game Show. Dan Klein, your best shot, the market capitalization of CCL, that's the ticker symbol for Carnival Corp. Oh boy, it's taken a hit recently. I'm going to say uh, $5.4 billion. Tim, higher or lower? Well, I'm not going to agree with the negotiator on this, Mr. Priceline. I'm going to say lower, David. And I, I again sympathize with both you guys because you're off by quite a bit. And I think I would have been too, because who would have thought that Carnival Cruise Line is still worth in this day and age $12.48 billion? So, Dan, you win this one with a five call. (laughs) Tim, I will point out that we could both be spectacularly wrong and I could still be winning. (laughs) That was a bad negotiation on my part, David. Bad negotiation. 
Well, and it's I would say it's totally understandable, though. This is a stock, by the way, that touched down at $8 a share in April. It's around 20 now, so it's more than doubled, like a lot of other stocks, in just about two months. Still, though, guys, down 60% over the last five years. Not a great stock. Still a risk of bankruptcy. And that's, look, the cruise industry was very, very profitable before this, but there's no guarantee that they come back in time to avoid a strategic Chapter 11. The banks don't want to own the cruise ships, so these companies will continue to operate, but there could absolutely be a negative shareholder event for any of the cruise lines. All right. Well, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Tim. Guys, if I have my math right, I believe Dan is up two to nothing right now. Tim, this is going to stock that I think you might know pretty well because it is one you've worked for more than 15 years with our Motley Fool Rule Breakers service. It's been around just about that long itself. This company has been one of our best performers in recent years. It's been held since 2011. But before we talk about the company, let me just ask Tim, what are you driving these days? Oh, man. I try really hard not to drive, David. I mean, seriously, I I use the uh, the RTD pass or I get out and walk because I have, and this is true, a 2000, year 2000 um, Mercury Mountaineer. And for those who do not know, Mercury is a car brand that no longer exists. <laughs> <laughs> so my I have a ghost car. And, and uh, you know what? Um, it, it works for me, but I try really hard not to drive it, David. Yep. I totally understand, Tim. I got in my car the other day and I, I said to my wife as we drove somewhere, this is the second time I've driven in a month. Admittedly, she does some of the harder work. She does go out to Trader Joe's, socially distanced, et cetera. But I mean, for the most part, I'm barely driving these days, but this, this stock continues to do pretty well. Dan, do you drive at all? Uh, I drive a 2016 Nissan Sentra, and my office is one mile from the house. So, and as you can tell, I'm in a co-working space with very few people here, perfectly socially distanced. I live in a downtown because I wanted to be able to walk everywhere. So I walk as much as I can. That's great. Well, good for you both. It sounds like you're leading a healthier life than I typically am because I do drive a lot when people are driving. Well, this company has performed pretty well. Tesla, over the last five years, is up about 300%. We have a very low cost basis for Rule Breaker members since 2011 when Elon Musk came and visited the Motley Fool offices and gave a free stump speech in front of our employees. At that time, he was saying, we are the third most shorted stock on the NASDAQ. And I put one and one together, one of those being, wow, this company is the third most shorted stock on the NASDAQ. And the other one was Elon Musk is running the company, Elon Musk of PayPal fame. And so we made it a recommendation the very next issue of Rule Breakers. I'm not going to say where Tesla stock is right now because that might help my contestants. But let me just turn to Tim and say, Tim, your best shot, the market cap of Tesla. I have a better perspective on this one, but I'm not quite sure. And by the way, I have a bet with fellow fool Austin Smith. And if Tesla gets to $20,000 a share... Then a cyber truck is mine, uh, and and we will see if that actually ever happens. You know that I'm rooting for that, but I think today, David, if I'm in the ballpark, it's about two hundred and five billion in market cap. Dan, higher or lower? I'm going to say lower. Dan gets it right again. Great job. Although Tim, very nice call. I, it always hurts me when somebody makes a good market cap call. And in our new format, the other guy just gets to say lower and gets it right. But yes, indeed, Tesla's market cap, 191.07 billion. Yep, we're rocking it out to two decimal places for this edition of the show. So Dan, it was lower. Not by that much. I actually knew that one. I did a, uh, I did a not a deep dive, but Jim Gillies and I did a show on Tesla, and that's one of the few that I actually. Of course, it could have changed dramatically today based on how everything is going, but I, I pretty confidently would have said about one ninety. Tim, excellent call, good try, and I'm rooting for the twenty thousand. That sounds really good to me. The stock, by Doesn't the way, it? at nine hundred eighty-two as we record, it did touch over a thousand in recent days. Just give me a 20-bagger, Elon. That's all I'm asking. A 20-bagger. <laughs> 20 more. A 20-bagger and a Cybertruck. That's all I need. <laughs> all right. Dan, let's stick with travel. So are you a member of any frequent flyer clubs? I would have to imagine you're like a champion for maybe multiple brands. Yeah, absolutely. So um, 
Southwest has a great loyalty program because it allows you, if you hit the, the status, to fly standby for free. So when I come visit you guys at the office, I can book the last flight of the night, but not, maybe not take that flight, depending how my day goes, how my meetings go. So that's really valuable. Royal, Royal Caribbean matches your tier status, not your gambling, but how many trips you've taken to MGM. And I sometimes get to stay at the MGM when I'm visiting the office. So I'm very, very strategic about it. I'm also a uh, American Express Platinum holder because that gives you all sorts of amazing... It's, it's an expensive card, but it gives you really good travel benefits. Uh, so Matt Frankel and I, another fool who, who appears on, on the podcast, we actually spend time in our personal lives strategizing this and figuring out how to maximize our rewards. Mm, that's, that's tremendous. Uh, Dan, of the oligopoly of big, dominant U.S. airline brands. Do you have a favorite? Uh, I really only fly Southwest unless I... If I go to Vegas, sometimes I have to fly Frontier, which is pretty much like flying U.S. Postal Service. It is a very unpleasant airline, uh, but it is very cheap. So, Tim, what about you? Do you have a favorite among the big American airline brands? Mm, I'll say... Yes, I'll say Delta, but not because of, you know, the the flying experience, but because of the way they treat their employees. I think Delta is a pretty well-structured airline, but if I have to pick one that I like to fly, boy, do I like flying Southwest. All right. So a lot of commonality there. But in fact, the company that is company number four on this market cap game show, Dan Klein, is Delta Airlines. Tim Ooh. just mentioned it. The ticker symbol for Delta Airlines is D. A L. Dan, what is the market cap of Delta Airlines? I'm going to say it's $58 billion. Tim, higher or lower? Lower. Lower by quite a bit. So, ah. Dan, this is a company that a lot of people wonder, you know, will, will this whole industry be in business anymore? So maybe that explains why the market cap is now down below $20 billion for Delta. Still pretty substantial. The stock is at 31 today right now, guys. It was as low as 17 and a half in May, just yeah. just weeks ago. A lot of stocks bottomed in March. Delta crashed hard in May. Yeah, they've had to raise a lot of capital too. I mean, they've they've had to lease lease back some of their planes. They raised some some bank debt. Um Delta's flying, but they are they're flying with some broken wings, I'd say. Every, everybody is flying with broken rings right now and really figuring out how to fly, how to distance people, how to make money. Uh, I know that I booked optimistic travel over the summer, meaning I booked all my Southwest flights that might happen as long as they let me do it because they were so unbelievably you know, inexpensive. So if in January we're open in Alexandria, I booked that flight for like $110 round trip. And you're starting to see those prices come up as some norm, you know, normalcy. Some people have to travel. They have family, they have business, whatever it is. You are starting to see prices come up, but you're going to see a supply constraint, especially if we have to fly distance on planes, less flights, less seats in those flights. That is going to force prices up, at least on essential routes, uh, you know, business routes, New York to LA, maybe not so much uh, Alexandria to West Palm Beach. You never, well, that, you never know, but I'm going to say, boy, do I want to see a, a service called an optimistic flight? Doesn't that sound amazing? <laughs> that sounds so fun. Like, we're just all optimists on this plane. No matter what else is going on in the world, this is a happy time. This is a safe space. <laughs> One of the ways I've stayed sane during this, Tim, is to book travel I full well knew wasn't going to happen, just so I could have it on my calendar and be like, oh, in a month, I'm going there. It's <laughs> good. Comfort travel. All right. And speaking of good, Tim, good to see you ring one up. So it's Dan three, Tim one. You're only as good as your last market cap. So let's proceed forward now. And uh, back to Tim. Tim, um, you picked this stock in 2009. The date was January 21st when the buy report went out for this company to Rule Breakers members. And I hope a lot of them bought this company back then, but even if they didn't, even if they waited till 2011 or 13 or 15 or 2017, they're still really happy. In fact, over the last five years, Salesforce has risen 158%. Uh, this is, of course, not a quiz show about how stocks have done, although it's always interesting to hear the backstories, but rather one about their market caps. But Tim, I, I need to thank you again for just such a spectacular pick. Uh, for Motley Fool Rule Breaker members. I remember back then, Tim, it was all about cloud computing. It, it, and it's still all about, this is the poster child, by the way, for cloud computing. Salesforce really is the poster stock for cloud computing because they started back 
in 99. Um, they were the company that said, you know what? You don't need to install software. In fact, their original slogan was, and you can still see this, Salesforce is one of those companies that has adorable mascots. This is true. They have like three of them. One of them is like the, the big plush Einstein because they have the Einstein AI. Um, and one of them is the is the no software logo. You could see the the uh, the you know like baseball themed mascot walking around at a Salesforce trade show and with the the white circle with the line between software like no software. That was the Salesforce uh, motto, and it's still out there. It's still I'm going twenty years I'm later. A, I'm a Salesforce fan, but I have to say, Tim, I didn't realize they had cute plushy logos. And oh yeah. yeah, mascots. All right. Well, Mark Mark Benioff could could probably. I'm not sure he's as cute, but he would be a. He's a pretty good logo for the company. The founder and CEO has added so much value, and uh, he's written a book recently, kind of in the in the vein of conscious capitalism. And he's got to be one of the top ten living American CEOs right now. Tim, with all that said, what is the market cap of ticker symbol CRM Salesforce? It's a. They've done extremely well, and we'll see if if. If uh, Dan punks me on this one, but I'm, I think I'm going to get reasonably close here because you know they're they're very close to their primary rival. So I'm going to say 183.4 billion in market cap. Dan, higher or lower? I'm going to say it's a tiny bit higher. Well, it is in fact a little lower. It's at 158.11 billion for those scoring at home. And everybody is scoring at home. Part of the beauty of the Market Cap Game Show is you're playing along with us and you've got your own score. So yeah, I mean, three, two, go. So yeah, the stock hit a low of 125 in March. It's at about 180 now. So some bounce back, not nearly as dramatic as other companies have added a lot more value um, sometimes more than 100% in just two months. But yeah, this company, Tim, up 150% over the last five years. Winners win. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to say, I, I totally, Dan, I apologize. I totally stole that from Aaron Bush. I went deliberately higher to see if I could do a head fake here. So I, 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 I apologize. But I don't really <laughs> apologize. Ah, <laughs> uh, the game outside the game, the meta game. A practitioner, Tim Byers. Thank you. All right, Tim and Dan, that's halftime. We're through five stocks, five up, and five more to go. I counted as Dan three, Tim two. Let's keep moving. I suppose I should mention, of course, most of the good performers this week are not stocks outside the universe of stocks that I pick in Stock Advisor and Rule Breakers. Companies like Carnival Corp are not stock picks of mine, but in fact, they're there for Motley Fool Stock Advisor and Motley Fool Rule Breaker members. So if you find yourself inspired by some of the performance that you've heard on this podcast or other past ones, or interested in the Motley Fool at large, I hope you'll come join us. In fact, specifically the Motley Fool Rule Breaker service, you can just join us with joinrb.fool.com. Hundreds of thousands already have. Why not you too? Get started on a commitment, a lifetime commitment to investing today. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Dan and Tim have distinguished themselves for the outstanding job they've done emceeing, hosting, being analysts and experts on Motley Fool Live, which is live.fool.com. And that is our basically full TV. It's like the Motley Fool launched a TV channel during COVID. I think it'll probably continue to live on past COVID. It's been a wonderful development. And both of you have done such wonderful work. Well, today, and again, we're taping on Tuesday afternoon, as we always do. Today, I had the pleasure of interviewing a very successful CEO of a winning rule breaker company. Yep, that's something we do on Motley Fool Live, too. Sometimes we do CEO interviews. Dan, I want to ask you, have you signed any documents recently using e-signatures? So I was lucky enough to uh, to be on after you, and, and uh, Dan Springer stuck around, and I got to thank him. I have terrible handwriting. I can barely hold a pen. I am so thankful for DocuSign, besides the fact that it's just a brilliant time saver. Yeah, when we bought our house, everything was on DocuSign. And it was actually something I asked our mortgage broker about beforehand. I was like, I don't mm. want to sit there. Can this be done digitally? <laughs> it's a brilliant product. And the optionality for it, all the other things they could do. Uh, and I, I heard a few on that interview that I was like, oh, wow, they, they could do that. That makes a lot of sense. 
they solve a problem and it's a problem that's a bigger problem right now. Uh, so a really excellent company. I agree. And I don't want to tilt you guys too much with your psychology and thinking here because you're in these soundproof booths without being able to ever see any market caps, as is always the case for the market cap game show. So I might be over influencing you by mistake, but I will say this, Dan, I was surprised how big the market cap of DocuSign is these days. So uh, I I hope I'm remembering this correctly because I, I looked this one up earlier. Twenty nine point eight billion. Tim, higher or lower? I think it's a little higher than that, David. Dan gets that one, and oh. wow, Dan kind of deserves that one because a he watched a portion of Dan Springer, even talked to him over Motley Fool Live, and then also looked up the market cap as well. And so Dan, it is twenty nine point five two. As I look at it anyway here Tuesday afternoon. So 29.8, pretty good. I would call it an Aaron Bush-like guess. Uh, I will thank Emily Flippin for telling me that uh, there was a decent chance you would ask about that one, <laughs> given the interview today. So, so Tim, I got a little inside help on that one. That's good. I, I, I like that. Hey, man, I took the Aaron Bush route last one. So I'll, I, you know what? I'm had tip of the cap. Yeah, and Emily is a very excellent player of the Market Cap Game Show. And part of it isn't just memorizing or knowing your market caps it is the game outside the game that's outside the game and that's maybe trying to figure out why i might ask a given company on a given episode so i would say that emily helped and good job dan and thanks for thanks for joining in there that was a fun exchange i saw that with dan springer as well yeah docusign has been a remarkable rule breaker this is a company that only ipo'd in 2018 it's up four times in value from there but here's a fun fact when it IPO, it was kind of quiet. I mean, it jumped those first few weeks, but six plus months later, post DocuSign's IPO, ticker symbol D-O-C-U, it was below where it had IPO'd at. So it looked like kind of a sleepy to bad IPO nine or so months afterward. And that was in 2018. Now I think it's up 300% just since its IPO. You can see it has been a spectacular winner. All right. Well, Company number seven, Tim, I'm going to go to you, even though I think Dan may have more experience in this particular industry. But Tim, Uh let me just ask you, did you have a particular stuffed animal growing up that was your iconic stuffed animal? Iconic stuffed animal? No, my sister did. My sister had stuffed dogs. I don't think, did I? I don't think so. No, I had like- Not everybody does. Yeah, I had like the Tonka trucks and, well, I guess it depends. Do you count- the large, like the, what were they like? The 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 twelve inch GI Joe figures. Do you remember sure. those? Yes, we'll certainly. Okay, count that. that's what I had. All right, and you know, I would have even counted a plushy Mark Benioff as well, because a plushy we're all Mark different. Benioff, I know. would actually put that on my desk today <laughs> if I had a plushy Mark Benioff. How about? Did you have a go to Halloween costume that you w- wore more than one Halloween or not? No, no, but I will say. To, uh, to sometimes to the dismay of my neighbors because they didn't know what I was doing. I used to wear my belled fool cap, you know, out on Halloween, taking my kids around. We're like, who is this person? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I did that multiple times, multiple Halloweens, David. So I, I have done that. You know, I love it. And before I asked him about this company's market cap, Dan, what's your favorite toy of all time? Oh, that's a tough one. It's got to be Legos. I think when I when I was a kid, first of all, Legos are now everything is something. You can't just get, I mean, they sell some just Legos, but that was the dominant thing. So I would build elaborate like sports arenas and have wow. to make excuses for why the astronauts were playing against the, uh, you know, the Knights because I didn't have enough sports figures. I think there's a level, Tim, I had the 12 inch GI Joe and he was friends with Batman and Evil Knievel because that's there who I had. And they all lived in the Batcave, of course, because we're of course. I, or the Death Star. Those are the only two places I had where the yeah, characters could live. Well, the company in question, some of the brands that we've mentioned are relevant to this company. And of course, this company, Hasbro, has many, many brands, uh, including games like Monopoly. And I'm certainly a board gamer. Monopoly, not my favorite game, but certainly an iconic game. Hasbro hasn't been a great stock in the last several years. I'll just hint, hint to both my contestants and all of my players at home. It's actually 0% return over the last five years. It's where it was 
five years ago. There's been some volatility. It's had some excitement, but take it all in all, even though it's been a great long-term performer for Motley Fool Stock Advisor, we're talking long, long-term here. It's fair to start asking, what have you done for me lately, Hasbro? Tim, what is the market cap of Hasbro? I think, David, and I'm, yeah, this this is a tough one for me, but I'm going to say 8.3 billion. I don't think it's that big. All right, Dan, higher or lower? I'm going to go lower. The correct answer is 9.90 billion. Ooh. Those cheering for Tim and wanting some drama at the end will be happy to note, had Dan won that, it would have been five to two. Tim would have been painted into a corner at that point, but nope, it's four to three. Yep, Hasbro guys, 9.9 billion. Stock, by the way, touched as low as 41 in March. It's at 77 and a half today. So it's been a raging market crusher if you're just looking over the last three months. Dan, I know you have some background in this industry. Could you give us your CV in toys? Yeah, it's very strange because I got this job with no experience, but I was the general manager of a gigantic, a 55,000 square foot toy store, 10,000 square foot model train, every model available plus thousands that weren't. Wow. Uh, So I was buying toys and it was one of those things where I just connected with the owner. He needed someone to run his business and it made sense. And it was an... It's helped me so much as an investor because I understand how retail works because I did it and margin and something like you look at a toy store and say, oh, wow, they sell a ton of Lego. Well, there's no margin in Lego. It's it's much worse mm. than all the rest. Hasbro, we didn't sell Hasbro, partly because we sold all the cool games that were fun to play. But Hasbro had a $2,500 reorder point. So you're out of one game, you have to place a $2,500 order. That's a difficult position to be in. I used to drive to Target and buy up Candyland and Chutes and Ladders because people expected us to have it. And it wasn't (laughs) worth explaining why we didn't get it. So when it was on sale, we'd mark it up zero and just have it as a convenience. So I spent a fond two years in the toy business. Wow, that that is amazing. I've heard you talk about that on Industry Focus Podcast, Dan. It's always fun to hear again, about how you got the job just because you the guy knew you and he trusted you and you didn't have a lot of experience. And all of a sudden, you had a lot of responsibility. I'd been running a factory making uh, steel planks and scaffolding and renting, sca- which is my family business, uh, after a largely a career as a journalist. So a couple of weird detours in my employment history. Amazing. Well, I'm sorry that you didn't get credit for Hasbro, but we did kind of need Tim to pick it up. And he is. It's Dan for Tim 3. We've got three stocks left. Guys, I've made a real point of recently introducing non-David Gardner Supernova Universe stocks into this game ever since Aaron Bush kind of broke the game by memorizing seemingly all 225 plus market caps of all the companies I have in my active recommendation universe. So I've been doing that throughout this episode. Dunkin' Donuts is not a recommendation of ours, nor is Carnival Corp, fortunately, Uh, nor is Delta Airlines. They've all been kind of dogs, frankly. This next company hasn't been great either. It's the last for this market cap game show that is not a Motley Fool recommendation. Dan, quick word, word association. I'm going to say a word. You're going to say the first one to three things back. Here's the word. Banks. Blah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's understandable, especially in an age where we don't really go down to our local branches anymore. It used to be kind of a human connection. I remember um, my parents cashing in a salary check every Friday or this kind of a thing. And It was a regular thing as a little kid for me and for Tom to go down to the bank with mom or dad. Uh, We're not doing that anymore. And then there are ATM fees and then there's big mega mergers and uh, blahs the way a lot of us probably feel. I know the barista at my local Capital One where there's a Pete's Coffee, uh, but I don't know a single person who works in the bank because when I needed something from them, I needed a certified check. They said, oh, no, you have a, a Capital One online account. You have to call. I'm like, but I'm, I'm right here. I can't. No, they were very insistent upon it. That seems to me like pretty bad customer service, which is, I don't know, fairly typical for the industry. Wow. Tim, do you like your bank? I like my regional bank. I have First Bank of Colorado, and I got to say, they've been pretty good. I think there's a big difference. Maybe it's just me. It might be a little bit of homespun feeling here, but I think there's a huge difference between a regional bank and a giant bank. So I'm a fan of First Bank mm. of Colorado, but it is, it's a small bank. It's a regional bank. It I, does seem like... Go ahead, Dan. I go. agree. I agree completely. When I lived in Connecticut, we went to People's Bank, which is a regional bank, and I knew the tellers. I knew the bankers. If I had a problem, there was someone you could call. 
Here, I'm a Wells Fargo customer with my wife, and the actual people in the bank, it's like everyone's like your, your aunt or your grandma. It's very friendly. But the overall corporate environment, it's still just a bank. Like I'd like to see some differentiated service, somebody become the T-Mobile of banking and really you know, try to disrupt and just do it better. And I, I will say like that, you know, donuts on Saturday at First Bank, when you come to Colorado, that's a that's a that's a tradition. I mean, better than going to Dunkin Donuts, David. That's what I'll say. <laughs> wow. And bank, free bank donuts. I've never heard of such a thing. Brilliant. All right. Well, we're turning back to Dan now. And Dan, in this case, we're going to be talking about the third largest bank in the U.S. Quick trivia question for our listeners and make your guess. And if you guessed Citigroup, you're right. The ticker symbol is just a single letter. Yep, it's one of those 26 or so companies. The ticker symbol is C for Citigroup. This is a company a lot of us will remember years ago. It merged with Travelers, and that's how it first kind of blew up. Mega merger, Citibank, Citigroup with Travelers, and then it later spun Travelers off. Uh, Citibank these days, well, I'm not going to say the market cap because, Dan, you're about to give your best guess. Dan, what is the market cap of City, one hundred and sixty-three billion. Tim, higher or lower? Jeez, that's really specific. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go against the grain here. My instinct is to say slightly higher. I'm gonna say slightly lower. And it is lower. Tim, good job. Four to four. The market cap of Citigroup is one hundred two. And I have to admit, I thought that was low. Again, I never reveal how ignorant I would be if I were playing this game, but occasionally I hint at it. And in this case, I would have thought that City was bigger. It just feels like a bigger world out there. But yeah, guys, Salesforce, 50% bigger than City, even though it started a little bit later. Measured it's by a cloud world calendar. and the banks are just living in it, David. That's what it is. <laughs> it's a cloud world and the banks are just living in it. And it's interesting because I based that on having a sense of where Bank of America was. Uh, and I'm actually surprised it, it's that much different than, than where mm. they are. Mm. All right. Well, now we leave the rather unfriendly territory of companies I don't know that well that I'm throwing in just to keep everybody, especially Aaron Bush, honest. And we return back to our home stadium and some of our favorite companies. And this particular company, Tim, I named as one of my five stocks for America last week. So every 10 episodes or so of Rule Breaker Investing, I pick a five-stock sampler. And last week, for those who haven't listened, you can listen in again. I hope these stocks will continue to do well. They're beating the market after the first week. But um, but five stocks for America, companies that really are emblematic of one or more, what I think of as American core Values, But in the case of this particular company, its mascot, since this is a show of mascots, was in fact one of the Sons of Liberty. And so since I think of Liberty as one of America's core values, ticker symbol S-A-M, Sam Adams, not only just a big beer brand, also the ticker symbol for the Boston Beer Company, which is Jim Cook's founded uh, company and the official name of the corporate parent. Tim, do you like beer? I don't drink beer anymore. Is that is this is this terrible because I should know this. And in fact, I'll just say back, you know, years ago, um, David, when you you had us uh, work on Odyssey one. And this is one that that longtime fool and a friend of ours, Matt Argersinger, was just going to the mat on in in Odyssey one. And man, it was a great stock inside of Supernova Odyssey one. So I should know this better. Um, Matt, sorry. And Matt was working on our stock advisor team. In fact, it was May 2010 when we picked Boston Beer Company. Matt pounding the table back then for it. And it has been a nine-bagger for members in the now 10 years, because it was May 2010, 10 years later, uh, nine-bagger. So a spectacular winner for a company that is arguably, on the one hand, at the forefront of the craft brew industry, and yet being completely undermined by all kinds of new craft beers and making Sam look like a big corporate beer in its own way, Samuel Adams. But Dan, are you a beer fan in any way, shape, or form? I'm a very mild beer fan, but the beers that I've been most interested in are some of the special Sam Adams beer. I'm from the Boston area, and they really pioneered the very limited edition uh, stouts and very expensive. uh, and That I found very interesting. So I sort of feel like we're in Dan's backyard with this one, Tim, but I am asking you, what is the market cap 
of the Boston Beer Company, ticker symbol SAM. So it's been a massive winner, like you point out, David, but I don't think it's been much of a winner over the past year and a half to two years, but that I'm not entirely sure about that. I'm going to make a pretty wild guess here and say $27.1 billion. Dan, higher or lower? Lower. Indeed, it is quite a bit lower. And anytime yeah. that happens, Tim, it always makes me suggest back to the analysts, have you thought about buying the stock maybe? Yeah, because right. Boston Beer's market cap is $6.65 billion. Okay. And so yeah. for anybody who was thinking it was 20 plus, that means in your mind, it could be a three-bagger from here, Tim. It could be. It could be. Yep. I, I have... Um... I, I need to give it another look here. This is a good. That's a good pull, though. That's it's, it's, it's an a, interesting company. It's a tough space now. Uh, basically, they created a blueprint that all these upstart companies are following, and that becomes very. Uh, it's very tricky to compete. I do think that's true, Dan. But we were as a team on Stock Advisor maybe three or four years ago saying that very thing, saying, you know, wow, this is so competitive these days just to get shelf space, and are these guys kind of a tweener? They're not as big, not close as Budweiser. But they're not cool anymore, like your favorite local swill, whatever it is. But indeed, it's really a remarkable, before we go to stock 10 here, guys, to think back on that being a nine-bagger, and yet it's still just a $6.7 billion company. So it remains rather small, as big a performer as it's been on the stock market. So thanks again to Matt Argusinger. And by my reckoning then, Dan, I believe you're winning five to four. I am just glad I did not humiliate myself. So yes, five, it's five to four. The worst I could do is tie. Neither one of you humiliated yourselves. You were both equal to it. And down the stretch we come. So turning now to you, Dan. Dan, how do you keep yourself entertained during these indoor days that we're spending every single day, it seems? <laughs> well, I'm lucky that I live someplace where there is a lot of outdoors. So I, I am spending time walking. Uh, I haven't been to the beach, though we do have a very wide open beach, so it would be pretty safe. I've been to the pool. It's very empty. But I live in a very old building, so most of those people are staying at, at home. Yep. Uh, but that said, I'm a big Netflix guy. I, I, I watch a lot. Well, not just Netflix. I watch a lot of streaming. I'm catching up on The Flash right now. I tend to spend such a dark and dour day with all the news that's going on. It's much more escapist entertainment than I would normally watch. Um, and I miss sports. <laughs> so I'm really having a hard time with there being uh, no Celtics games, no Rangers games, no Red Sox games. So, you know, lots of streaming uh, and a little bit of old school television. My wife and I have a few things we watch together. Nice. And Tim, are you streaming anything these days? I've I've been watching a lot of YouTube. I've been watching a lot of documentaries. And in fact, I love that Netflix puts a lot of its documentaries on on YouTube. The the new Avra uh, DuVernay um, documentary, 13th, is available on YouTube. Well worth the watch. So yeah, a lot of lot of YouTube, a lot of documentaries, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. And I, I understand that as well. In my own case, I'm listening to fewer podcasts because it was such a when I'm driving thing and I'm never driving these days. So I haven't carved out as much time for podcasts. But boy, I've been streaming too. And since we're all just making little recommendations, I'll mention on Netflix, the documentary Lennox Hill, the docuseries just out in the last week or so. Really great looking at that New York City hospital true stories of the doctors that are working there. And this is all pre-COVID. So as you might imagine, and as I would expect, they are painted as very human and very heroic in terms of what they're doing. And it's not even 2020 that you're watching. So anyway, high recommendation for me on Lennox Hill. Now, there is one device that many people can stream many different services off of. It's not just about Netflix or YouTube, although yes, yes, certainly Roku devices do stream those, and it seems like everybody's got their streaming channel these days. I was adding a NBC one just to watch old Saturday Night Live episodes on, and then there's the CBS one with Star Trek that I haven't gotten around to yet, and oh my golly, there are a lot out there. Well, I know you guys both know Roku. So many of our listeners uh, have Rokus, and I hope many of our listeners have Roku stock, ticker symbol R-O-K-U. Turning now to you, Dan, you're up five to four. What is the market cap of Roku Inc.? Oh, I love the product, but I don't study the company. Uh, I'm going to say $28.2 billion. Tim, higher or lower? I think that it's lower, so I'm going to say lower. And what a great ending. It is lower, and so 
gentlemen, we have a tie. And one of the Got things about the market cap game show is there are no tiebreakers. We don't have like if they tie, then you look back and see who was off the most or whatever a good tiebreaker rule might be. We don't have that. We just celebrate performance. And you guys each brought it with five companies. Let me double underline it. The market cap for Roku is $12.84 billion. Dan, Tim, do you guys have Rokus? Dan first. I have one of everything, but more Rokus than anything else. I also have the new TiVo device, which has Roku embedded, which is uh, not perfect, but really getting there to make ease of discovery and not having to switch between apps. It's not all there yet, but you can just see, hey, I want to watch this show. Where do I have that show? And it'll show you you can buy it on Amazon. You can watch it for free on Netflix. Uh, a really interesting developing product. And I'll, I'll mention, I had the CEO of TiVo on Full Live, and the first question I asked him, I cleared this with him, was, wait, there's still a TiVo? Uh, and absolutely, there is, and they're making a really interesting consumer product. That's really yeah. interesting. Tim, what about you? I do not have a Roku. We've had an Apple TV in the past. But I have to say, the more that I investigate this company and the products, I get way more interested in it. And doing that interview of uh, the TiVo CEO with Dan, I have to say that sort of got me really interested too, because they are looking pretty broadly. It's very fascinating to see the number of companies that are rolling up more of our streaming choices. I think Roku does this better than anybody. So I'm really interested in it, but don't have one yet. Yeah, I'll also point out that uh, Google Chromecast is part of that TiVo device, and it works a lot better than Google Chromecast because I don't have to use my phone as the remote. So I was literally watching one of my buddy's uh, cruise ship musicians play a set from Paris on my big screen TV as uh, Chromecasted from my TiVo device. So a really cool product. It was a lot of fun to have Dan Klein and Tim Byers, both longtime Motley Fool writers and analysts and more recent TV stars on Full TV. So Dan and Tim, thank you so much. Five to five. There's no other way I would have wanted this to end. Congratulations. David, thank you for having Thanks me. Thanks so much, David. Really appreciate it. It was great being on. Well, that was fun. 12 market cap game shows. Now part of history for this podcast. And thanks again to Tim and to Dan for being good sports and also pretty savvy. I'm always impressed by anybody who gets a market cap pretty accurately, but I'm even more impressed by the courage that it takes to go on and in front of America, in front of the world, since we have a lot of international listeners, show your ignorance often about how far off you might be for a company's market cap. And especially thinking again of Boston Beer Company, when I hear someone smart like Tim say he thinks it's worth over $20 billion and it's worth less than seven, to me, that always perks me up a little bit and says, maybe I should look at that stock. Maybe I should put that on my watch list. And I remember back in the day, the reason we've always used Etsy as our example is because Matt Argusinger kept doing that with Etsy. And if you bought and held Etsy every single time Matt blew it and overestimated its market cap, you've made a lot of money. All right. Well, from market caps as low as Duncan, which was our lowest this week, five and a half million, up to as large as, yep, the largest market cap this week, bigger than Salesforce, bigger than Citigroup, was Tesla. So from Duncan to Tesla and everything in between, thanks again for joining me this week. We've got our RBI podcast mailbag, rbi at fool.com next week. Drop us a line. You can tweet us at RBI podcast. In the meantime, Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the market caps. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rulebreaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.